Rooted in biblical and historic Christian faith, Northeastern Seminary prepares Christ-centered men and women for faithful, effective ministry to the church and the world. Season one of this podcast is from workshops and interviews that were made during Northeastern Seminary's Rebuild Conference in June of 2023. My name is Rebecca Taylor, and I am not only a seminary grad, but I also work here, and I've had the privilege of interviewing the talented and amazing writers who taught the workshop that we called the Ministry of Creative Writing. Today, I get to sit down with nonfiction author and seminary faculty member, Marlena Graves. You won't want to miss this interview. To find out more about Northeastern Seminary's future events and conferences, or if you're interested in attending seminary after hearing a podcast like this one, head on over to nes.edu. My name's Marlena Graves. I'm he- I'm glad to be with you here today. And I want to talk about writing, and this is sort of a crash course on writing. And what I'm going to be talking to you about today is uh, the Ministry of Creative Writing. And in this case, I'm going to talk, be talking about nonfiction while Christopher Hopper talks about fiction. So people often ask themselves and wonder, am I a writer? Am I a writer? And I think the fact that you are even here today or catching this podcast means that you are a writer. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Um, Some people think that to be a writer, you have to be already published. That's not true. I'm going to tell you for a fact, there are a lot of you that can write better than some published writers. Uh, You're just not published yet. And uh, like I've told many people, the difference between a published writer and an unpublished writer is often the difference, I think, is perseverance. Uh, persevering through rejections, uh, persevering and keeping on writing, keeping on uh, developing your writing craft. And I also think uh, the other difference is that you, like I said earlier, can take rejection, but also you can't help but write. You can't help but write. Uh, So are you a writer? If you're here or if you're listening, I'd say absolutely yes. Uh, I remember I at first had a problem admitting that I was a writer because I thought it sounded so pretentious. And the evening of December 31st, I think 2002, um, I'm not going to go into the story right now because it'll take too long, uh, but I, I felt a call to be a writer. But the problem was... I didn't go to school to be a writer. I wasn't an English major. I was a history major, a minor in philosophy. Um, I wasn't writing since second grade in my journals. I was busy trying to live because I grew up poor. And I know some writers, they've written ever since they were little and always knew they were going to be a writer. Or some of my friends that were writers, they were English majors or um, they got their Master of Fine Arts in writing. I was none of the above. But I felt a real call to write. And... For a while, I didn't tell anyone, like I said, because it sounds so pretentious. And also, people, a few people that I told didn't believe me. It's like they patted me on the head and they're like, yeah, right, Marlena. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, (laughs) R-I-G-H-T. And so I was like, well, there's very few people that I can tell. My husband knew. And so I just started writing. Writing in obscurity. 
and it took me six years to get published in public because I um, really the first person that saw my writing besides my husband and uh, one of my friends was an editor at InterVarsity Press who had a real a lot of really really crazy nice amazing things to say about my writing and he said the only problem is and these are my words is that you're not famous um, so we'll talk about that in a minute but when I think about myself as being a writer I think of myself as painting a picture with words words create worlds you know in the beginning God said let there be light in the beginning you know God spoke and we can create monstrous demonic world worlds with our speaking and writing or we can bring flourishing and it doesn't mean that your writing has to have all biblical references and allusions uh, Christopher talks about that, and especially in nonfiction. But even if you're writing fiction, you can have a Christian way of being and a Christian worldview without using Christian words. I write to know what I think. It's also a spiritual practice. Oftentimes, I figure out what I believe about something or get a little bit further in figuring out what I believe about something the more that I write about it. Because you have to do research sometimes and... Your thoughts might be jumbled. So I write to learn what I think. I write to cast a light on injustice. I write to encourage, to inform. I write to explore questions. Writing forces me to engage whatever I am writing about. So if writing to me is preaching, informing, exploring, provoking, and creating with a pen. So what I want you to do is, if you're sitting right here and you're like, I feel like I'm a writer, but I don't know what to write about. I don't know what the first thing I should write is. I would just tell you to pay attention to your life. Like Park, Parker Palmer says, pay attention to your life. People ask me, what should I write about? I don't know. I have so many ideas. I said, well, what are you thinking about right now all of the time? Is there something that's been on your mind? Because that's usually what I do to write my books. <laughs> I write whatever I've been thinking about a lot. Um, and it could be for 20 years, uh, or it could be an aspect of what you've been thinking about your whole life. So pay attention. What makes you cry? What makes you angry? What makes you laugh? What brings you joy? What do you find beautiful? What do you find intolerable? Like I said, what occupies your thoughts? What do you read? You can start there to figure out uh, what you need to write. Now, I'm going to tell you a real quick story uh, about Eugene Peterson, who was a pastor writer, and he was uh, the one that came up with the message translation. And another long story short, my pastor was on a retreat with him, and I said, oh my word, you're going on a retreat with Eugene Peterson? I'm going to write a letter. This is in 2000, probably four or five. Remember back then, we didn't have like Instagram and whatever we have now with social media. So I wrote a personal letter to Eugene Peterson, who was a writer I admired. I had read him in seminary. And I asked him the question, why does bad writing get published? And at the time, I didn't understand anything about platform. And again, we're going to talk about that in a second. But there are a few reasons. One is that you could be a famous person and you can't write at all or have ghostwriters for you or like a pastor of a megachurch and someone writes out your sermons 
or you're not that good of a writer, but you can sell thousands of books in your church or from your podcast or whatever. You have a way to get that book out into the world, either because of your name or what you do. So you could be a bad writer writing about a popular topic, but still get published. And he said something along those lines to me. In fact, he said, and I know some people disagree with this, but he said he thinks the better writer a person is, the less likely they are to get published or be, uh, that sounds really depressing to you. I should say the less likely they are to, you know, sell millions. Um, in fact, the people that win the Pulitzer Prize, they're the books that they write sell very few copies. It's the Pulitzer Prize that gives them the money they have, which is very surprising. I remember, though, that when you were talking about stories, I remember in about, maybe was it 2010, uh, Ann Voskamp, who, by the way, is a very nice person, uh, she wrote a book about Thanksgiving. And I remember all of a sudden, all of these women were writing like Ann Voskamp. I started to see all these books and these articles on on magazines and digital media on people's blog posts that they were trying to write like Ann Voskamp. And like, what is wrong with you? But they figured Ann Voskamp had sold so many books. And some editors tell me it's because of the time it was. I mean, it has to be the right exact moment. But she sold, and I'm not diminishing her at all. Again, she's a very kind person. Um... But I was just so annoyed that everyone was writing like Ann Voskamp. And I'm like, I'm not going to write like Ann Voskamp. I just can't. I don't. I'm not Ann Voskamp. I don't live on a farm in Canada by myself and write the way she writes. It's really her. And so people, I think they were trying to be popular by writing like her. And that soon fell away. Don't do that. Write in your own voice. Another reason that I write... um, is because in about 2016, I started to get really kind of, after my first book came out, um, A Beautiful Disaster, I was like, well, I have nothing else to say, or I have things to say, but other people have said it, so why should I write about it? And so I'm like, why write anymore? Um, Because other people have said what I'm going to say. And uh, then I felt the Lord really clearly tell me that if I were to stop writing, I would be burying my talents. So I'm not writing, I mean, I'd like to make a great income on my writing, uh, but I'm not writing to become rich. I'm not writing to become famous. I'm writing to broadcast uh, what I believe is goodness, truth, and beauty, uh, and leave that on the earth, and also maybe some wisdom. Because the Lord told me, if you stop writing, you're to bury your talents. I see my writing as an extension of maybe my classroom or anytime on the radio or podcast. To me, they're all the same. They're just different venues to communicate. Uh, but I do enjoy writing. And I yeah, enjoy speaking too. But writing's where my creativity comes out. So it's really important if you want to write for publication, and that's what we're here about today, that you define your audience. Everyone is not the answer. You're writing for everyone. No, you are not. Are you writing for physicists? Are you writing for... um, I'm not writing for children at this point. I do have an idea for a children's book, but right now I'm not writing for children. Who is your audience? Is it a Christian, non-Christian, both? Is it uh, men, women, both? Or other people that don't hold to those binaries? Who is it? Is it conservative, progressive, moderate, fiction? What age? That's what they're going to ask you when you want to get your book published or even an article published. Is it for white people or people of color? It could be both in that instance. 
are you writing for the global church or not the church, but global people, North American culture, or like Latin America? And if in this, I'm talking about Christ, quote unquote Christian writing, but evangelical, mainline Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox nuns, let me tell you, evangelicals, mainline Roman Catholics, and Eastern Orthodox read my work, so I'm really happy because it's universal in those areas, but I have to owe it to my education here at Northeastern Seminary because I can address the global church. You need to define your audience, and I had a, kind of a hard time doing that at first, but someone, um, people helped me out, and they're like, Marlene, you write for thoughtful people, uh, probably not just educated people, but people that probably been Oh, that sounds really bad. That's not what I mean. You write for thoughtful people and and people that are anywhere from like 20 to 70 years old read my work. But it's often church leaders and lay leaders that read my work. And yeah, women and men. Um, but I'm not, I'm writing for thoughtful people. That's my audience, thoughtful people. Uh, in those age ranges that have obviously some church background, know a little bit about theology. I'm not writing for the um, new Christian. And I've found something else about my audience. It usually tends to be people that are uh, disillusioned with the church or want more and know there should be more because I feel like I'm that way myself. Um, people that have doubts or have questions or feel themselves marginalized usually uh, f uh, come to my writing. Um, so that's my audience. But you got to think about who is your audience right now? And why should you define your audience? Because book publishers are going to ask you who your audience is. So, and you know right off which publisher to pitch for your work. Pitch means, you know, give your little commercial for your work. Um, and then there are certain genre and rules that will guide your writing. Again, if I'm writing for Christian living and spiritual formation, where most of my nonfiction is, and social justice, there's a certain way I'm going to write, certain language you're able to use. It'll define your structure. Uh, also, political engagement or cultural engagement. You have to define your audience because uh, particular is better. Not everyone's going to read our work. And so you may need to spend some time thinking about your audience. Now, I've used the word platform already, and I told you about the editor who said um, he loved my writing. It was excellent. You know, I, I guess I'll say this here. He says, like, the best of Eugene Peterson, Richard Foster, and Henry Noun, which is a big compliment from an editor because he was the first one to see my writing. And I cut out his email in 2000, I think it was seven or eight, and I posted it on my computer when I kept getting rejections because no one knew who I was. Um, now, you might read my writing and not agree, but that was his assessment. So I felt very complimented. And um, I was basically told I need a bigger platform. And so how big is a big platform? At the time, I wasn't writing for anyone but myself. I, I did have a blog, a small blog, but he wanted me to start sending articles to uh, national publications, to um, places, start writing for national publications. He's like, Marlene, you got to write for other people. Write for the people that you read. So I started, you know, I sent some articles to Christianity Today and other places, and then through a series of um, 
I mean, it was God. Christianity Today picked me up as a regular blog blogger for a blog called Hermeneutics Magazine. And they had so many readers at the time. They had the most readers of any of Christianity Today's websites. So me and like 25 other women wrote for hermeneutics, and guys read us a lot too. Uh, it wasn't just women, actually. Uh, we got had a lot of guys that read our work. Um, and so, um, and that launched me into a national um, conversation about Christianity and it was the right time because it's also I took a, I took a risk. I sent it blind to Christianity Today, you know, to a general inbox, not to any specific person because I didn't know any editors, and someone picked it up. So thanks be to God. And so you need we you and I need to trust God for this process. It's going to be very frustrating, but you have to get your writing out there. And let me tell you about me. I'm really, 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 really. I mean, so bad about elevator pitches. I got to know editors and writers at conferences that I would attend. I, you know, because I'm interested in writing, so I go to the Festival of Faith and Writing at Calvin University every single year, uh, every two years, and I met a lot of people there. And some of the people I met, I did not know at the time that they were editors for certain publication houses, or you know, that they would soon be. Uh, widely read writers. They were just the person sitting next to me at a um, at a presentation, or you know, we were listening to someone talk about e editing or platform, like I am right right now. Or you know, we met at the cafeteria as we were walking here and there. Um, you just I just talked to people next to me. I acknowledged their existence, and so I'm a really I'm a real organic writer. I mean, I don't have any type of uh, plan or strategy for my platform. <laughs> I know that sounds really funny and there are people that do because that's how they are and I'm not putting that down. But I can't do elevator pitches and I can't like fake my attitude and, and I'm not saying that people are fake, but I have to present who I am and that's not always the most money-making fastest thing. But just being who I am, and I encourage you to be who you are, however that comes, is I've met a lot of people. And then, lo and behold, later on, they're like the president of a publishing house or the head editor. Years later, we've been friends. And so sometimes they're like, hey, Marlena, do you want to send something to me? Because they met me. They've seen my writing in other places like Christianity Day. They think I write well. And then they ask me now to send them stuff. So I'm at the point where um, I can just and you may be this one day too, I can just email an editor to say, hey, I have this new idea. And, you know, do you like it or not? And I'm at the point where they ask me to write books for them or write articles for like Sojourners, Christianity Day, you know, all those things. I now, I get asked, but in the, in the beginning I didn't. They didn't know who I was uh, until I wrote, and it took me years. So you might be an amazing person with like social media and stuff like that and platform, please do not take away from this that I'm telling you to be organic. But I go through relationships and sometimes I guess maybe that's slower, I guess, but I don't strategize. I don't strategize that I'm going to go meet that other person so I could get a book. I just happen to be in places where writers and authors are, which are conferences, you know, seminaries, places like that. So I would encourage you to be where writers and editors are, which is conferences like the Festival of Faith and Writing. Most of the writers I know said it's their favorite writing festival because it's like so intelligent. So there's like 2,000 people that go there, but it's just so top notch. The presenters that they have are amazing. And they're not all Christians. People from, you know, Nobel or 
uh, Pulitzer Prize winners and just all sorts of people come there. And uh, that's a free commercial for the Festival of Faith and Writing, but I'd encourage you to go there. So you need to get your writing out there for people to discover who you are. And in another letter to Eugene Peterson, he said, Marlena, just start writing for your church newsletter. And that's what I did. Um, and he, um, he told me that he made up this pseudonym for himself in his uh, church newsletter called Gunnar Thorkelson. And he started writing as Gunnar Thorkelson. Um, who knows what, but he told me that's how he started writing. And so no place is too small to start. A few things about platform. You need, and my friend Michelle Van Loon said that she's a writer. I encourage you to read her work. She says, a healthier, a healthier relationship with the idea of platform might be the notion of responsible stewarding of your influence. That's my friend Michelle Van Loon. She sees it as responsible stewarding of our influence. So begin right where you are, like I said, your church and your community. You might, some of you like to write for the paper in the opinion section. You could do that. You could try to get into the New York Times opinion. Hey, that could happen. You might have to try a lot of times, so you could do that. Write for your denomination or other associations like ministry organizations. So, for example, if you're a free Methodist, there's Light and Life magazine. You might try to figure out how to write for them. Um, write on your website uh, or use a YouTube. I keep saying writing, but you could use a YouTube channel. People need somewhere to find you. So you absolutely either have to have a website or a YouTube channel. And you could write blogs and e-newsletters. And people say, people are using Substacks now and newsletters. You, people need to find you. They need to find you somewhere. Uh, social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And now there are a whole bunch of new ones since Elon Musk killed Twitter. So I might be saying goodbye to Twitter for, for it just breaks my heart. But have a social media account, even if that's Facebook. Again, someone, people need somewhere to find you online and to interact with you. Do you have speaking opportunities, uh, whether you speak at your church or somewhere else? And you, and you might be saying, Marlena, I don't have any of these. I'm like, okay, but you can f find somewhere to start. Again, church newsletter or something very small. You think it's not worth your time, but let me tell you it is worth your time because you never know who's reading it and you never know who shares your stuff to whom. Um, and so brainstorm with your friends or people that you, you admire who know your situation. Say, where can I start if I don't have any of these? You know, you might have to start on Facebook. Um, let me just say that it used to be back in the day where the writers just wrote the book and the uh, marketing department marketed is not that. Writers have to do most of their marketing. And so that actually takes a lot more time to meet for me than the writing does. So I just want you to know that if you want to write for publication. This is about writing for publication. So there's a few things that I want you to know. You will experience rejection. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons for rejection, timing. So you might be the hundredth person to send a similar pitch. I don't know, like maybe the, I'm just gonna use this for an example, a hot topic, the Roe versus Wade decision. There are probably uh, lots of people sending editors pitches about Roe versus Wade. And if they already had like um, their senior writers writing on this, they're not gonna let you and I do it. Um, but sometimes you get rejected because there's other people with that idea already or they had just um, re, uh, printed you know an article that was similar to what you were pitching right your idea might not be focused enough or it might be too specific you just never know sometimes people want you to be more specific 
or not as specific. Um, I think it's always good to write for evergreen um, topics, things that people think about all the time, like, I don't know, things that are universal. Uh, for example, maybe loneliness or I don't know, that's just what came to mind. So usually for evergreen topics, I think you will eventually find someone. This is if you're writing, if you write to a certain standard. I'm assuming that those listening to me uh, can uh, craft good sentences and interesting sentences. Rejection's going to sting. You're going to mourn. Madeline Langle used to get, give herself 48 hours to cry after rejections. <laughs> and then she was done with it. Um, I've got rejected from people. I'm like, are you kidding? You've taken my other stuff. You're not taking me now. Um, but some of that's not just because of your writing. It's also because, let me be honest, with these political wing, wins happening in our culture, in American culture, that's the context I'm speaking from. In American culture, if you're thought to be on one side or the other or whatever, you might get rejected because they don't think that you write for their audience. And they can find out a lot about you through social media. I guess in this case, if you have no social media, you're in a better position than those of us that do. Processing faithfully. So you just need someone to talk to about your rejection. Everyone I could tell you, even writers in the Christian circles, um, I'm talking about Protestant here in the United States, People I know that just happened to be my good friends because we started writing around the same time and we would talk to each other at these conferences or whatever. I'm not going to mention names. But even the quote-unquote biggest writers have been rejected for an article for this or that. They haven't made it. So rejection still happens even after you're published. Now, this is what you need to know about being a published writer, whether you're trying to write articles or a book or both, that... People are going to badmouth you, disagree, and be cruel. I mean, first of all, there's trolls. I just got something mean off my website the other day. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, something that I said about C.S. Lewis like probably 10 years ago on my old blog, and I don't know if it was a troll. Some guy just some, some sexual, he just said some horrible things. I just deleted I didn't feel bad about that, right, because, like, this guy's just clearly being an idiot. But there are, sometimes your friends will disagree with you, especially if you're writing controversial topics. And even if you don't think your topic is controversial, people can be cruel. And let me tell you this, your best friends probably won't buy your books or read them. That's just how it is. Like, I don't know why they already know you. They think they're all, there is all there is to know you. Maybe some of your friends will to support you, but I'm just telling you the people that you think would support you often don't. Often. I didn't say never. And you'll be surprised by the people that do support you. But you're going to have a lot of rejection, but you'll also have a lot of affirmation. So I talked about this earlier, persistence. Um, I think that is the difference between a published writer and one that is not. And persistence, Margaret Atwood says it like this. Persistence is a word after a word after a word is power. You just, one word after another, another. Um, and so you just got to write, pick whatever rhythm. Some people say, you know, sit sit your butt in the chair and write every day. I don't because I have a family. I can't write every day. But there was a time for like almost 10 years where I wrote every day of my life just because I was doing a lot of writing. I mean, whether as a student, as a professor, <laughs> um, as a uh, pastor, someone on pastoral staff, I was always writing. So you find a rhythm for yourself and you stick to it. And I hope this crash course helped you a lot. 
And these, I was just talking about the things you need to get published in Christian nonfiction. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to come here today and or to listen to this podcast. Thank you. Marlena, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, we have a couple of questions, if you don't mind. The first question I have for you is, um, can you talk a little bit about your cadence, your rhythm or process and finding time to write? Yeah, I talked a little bit about that at the end of this presentation, but I wrote my first book, A Beautiful Disaster, Finding Hope in the Midst of Brokenness, on Friday nights when I was a resident director. I had one daughter. Um, she, I think I start. well, I had started writing before she was born, but she was 15 months old at the time. I was a resident director at a Christian school, and I knew that the kids went out on dates um, at night, on Friday nights, and so I used that time to write. Um, that I wrote most of my first book, and then because my husband's a professor, the month of July in, I think it was 2013, we, I went to a coffee shop every single day in the month of July uh, and finished up that same book. And so you're going to hear people tell you, you know, you need to write every day. I think it helps you become a better writer and get into a rhythm of writing to write every day. But some of you are saying, I can't do that. And I mean, I wrote every day, like I said, for 10 years because I wanted to write. I had to write. I had a reason to write um, because I think I would have went crazy without writing. You know, I had just had my daughter, then I had more daughters, and writing was an outlet for me. So um, I would say find what works for you, but then stick to it. But don't, don't berate yourself if you're like, oh, I haven't written in three weeks. I'm an awful writer. Life happens. What matters, and like I said, all throughout my presentation is perseverance, okay? That you keep picking up the pen metaphorically, because now I know we use computers, but maybe some of you will use the pen. I know some writers still write their um, books on, you know, a yellow pad. Uh, and I can't think of the lady right now. She's a very, very famous writer that said that one time. Yeah, I go away on a weekend, and I write on my yellow pad all day and night. And um, she, she does that, and then she transfers it I assume she does it. Maybe she has an assistant. She transfers it to uh, my, a Word document, Microsoft Word document. So whatever it is that helps you write, you stick to it, you know? Um, and I think if you really want to do it, if you really want to become a published writer, which is the theme of this presentation, then you'll do it. You do stuff that you want to do, right? So. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly, Rebecca, I don't know exactly what rhythm someone will have, but just be, try to be consistent as possible. So if you just want to write your, you know, for a fact, this is how I was. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get writing done, um, Sunday through Thursday. Cause I have two, my own family, I'm a resident director. So I didn't even think about writing at all until Friday nights. So to me, it was like, okay, I don't want to keep this date on Friday nights. So it was kind of a, uh, gave me peace of mind, you know. Um, some people wake up like at, I think Christopher Hopper does this. <laughs> he wakes up at like real early in the morning and writes. I, I, I never do that. I don't write unless when I was in my PhD program. I think one time I wrote past midnight. I, my mind becomes a pumpkin after 12. So I might write till 11 o'clock or something. Um, but I try any moment, even if you're at lunch. Okay, listen, you work in an office, you're at lunch, and you have a half hour. Can you write? 10 minutes during that half hour, two times a week. That's 20 minutes. I think what you're saying is know yourself, 
and know what type of habits you yes, need to thank form. Yes, Right, in order to develop this skill. Yes, thank okay. you for summarizing that. that. You got it. <laughs> That's really good. You know, another question that we got was, um, how do you know when it's done enough to let it go? Yeah, for me, it's never done. Never, 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 never. Um, and I just have to let it go. Uh, because even after I turn in, I've turned my books in my final draft to the editors. Like They're like, these are the last changes, Marlena, you can make. That's it. It's going to publication. Too bad. Um, and I look, I'm like, oh, a few weeks later, why didn't I say this? Why did I do this? Nothing you write is ever going to be perfect. And sometimes perfection is the enemy of actually getting anything done. If you're going to wait till your writing is perfect, then it's never going to be published. Um, and I know some people like that. They're phenomenal writers, but it's not perfect. So they kind of stop. And so I know that when I send a book out into the world, um, that it's not going to be perfect. And sometimes not me that makes a mistake. Sometimes the editors miss a word or whatever. And I'm like, I know I wrote that. I didn't make that mistake. I didn't make that typo. Um, they changed a word or did this or that or did it a way that I didn't want to. I mean, maybe sometimes it's my own mistake and something wasn't caught. Um, besides typos, I'm just saying every idea, every character, all of that can be further explored. And I guess if you want to explore it further, if you're writing um, creative nonfiction or you're writing fiction, then work it out in the next book. It's a great idea. Keep writing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if someone wanted to uh, start reading uh, something of yours, what book would you suggest they start with? That's really, really hard for me because um, I. it took me, I started writing A Beautiful Disaster, which by the way, I didn't name that. That's what the publishers wrote. I'm like, oh, you think my life was a beautiful disaster. Thanks. Uh, fighting hope in the midst of brokenness. I started, I took almost a decade to write that book because I'd been thinking about the themes in it. And, um, you know, maybe start with that if you want to know who I am uh, from the outset. But also The Way Up is Down. Um, and I have another book coming out today. In fact, it's called um, Bearing God living a Christ-formed life in uncharted waters. That's the shortest one. If you want to read a really short book, read Bearing God. But um, to me, there was a change in my writing voice between uh, Beautiful Disaster and The Way Up is Down. And it's for this reason. I mean, it took almost 10 years for me to write my first book. So I talk about perfection. I went back and back and back and back. Mm -hmm. I, I revised it so many times. I'm a crazy reviser when it comes to my writing um, as far as my books go. However, uh, for The Way Up is Down, I wanted to make it very as much more accessible and I used kind of a different like my humor came into it more mm. um, and a lot of people say, yeah, it's a really fast read. Well, that was on purpose and I've heard somewhere if you make, <laughs> it's really hard to make a book a fast read, a good book a fast read, but that was my my um, intention with The Way Up is Down. Uh, because uh, someone said, an editor I had read both, said that my way up is down was a little bit more breezy than A Beautiful Disaster. Beautiful Disaster is really, really good. It's his favorite book of some people. Uh, and The Way Up is Down is, um, again, to me it's a little bit, not lighter, I can't even think of the word. So it kind of depends what you want, hmm. you know? All right, I love that. Yeah. So um, I've got an idea for a book. Um, I think some of the things, just to recap, 
someone would get started by writing about that consistently mm-hmm. um, because that causes uh, someone to do research mm-hmm. and to explore the themes and ideas around that topic mm-hmm. um, and then picking a time that's consistent for writing so mm-hmm. that you're doing it frequently as frequently mm-hmm. as you can not necessarily trying to just ascribe to your way of writing right. but to figure out their own are there any other you know tips for someone that's getting started that get I published should right about? yeah you have to send something out so uh, as an idea, you mean, or as a chapter? Finished product. Or, okay. Um, if, even if you're writing a book, you need to send some shorter, even if you write shorter um, on the themes of the book, don't write what's exactly in your book because they might not publish it later. They'll say, oh, this was published somewhere else, so I'm not going to publish it. But if you're, you know, if you're talking about, I don't know, a midlife crisis, and you're going to write a book about a midlife crisis, maybe you could just take one aspect of that that you don't cover or you don't think you're going to cover in great depth in the book and write about that and send it um, to be published in magazines or um, online spaces. Um, And you have to send it to, again, places that you read or are familiar with, or if you're not familiar with them, get familiar with the kind of vibes they give off because they're not going to publish your stuff if they think, you're not a good fit for them, like your way of being and your writing is not good for them. And some, especially in Christian writing, if you're, a lot of times if your theology doesn't align exactly like certain places, they won't publish your stuff. Others are a little bit more open. Uh, So think carefully about who you send it to. But like I was told, remember, if no one knows who you are, they're not going to buy your book and you're not going to get published (laughs) because they really your name needs to be out there somewhere because they want to check out your writing and see who's reading your work. So, and and this might be very intimidating because you're telling me nobody but myself is reading. I get you. That's where I was. That's why I'm telling you what I was told. And little by little, it'll come. Okay. That's really great. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah.